0: It's March Mania at Sports Interaction, NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. we got crazy odds and the best live in play. Download the app right now in Ontario. Use the QR code at the bottom right of the screen. Or head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly.
1: Welcome to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Hareni. Please head on over to Spotify, give us a five star uh, rating and a follow. Same with Apple Podcasts, write a review as you could if you could, because it helps us a lot. Um, you can follow me on social media at Tim Hareni. Saudi Arabian Grand Prix review, and here to help me break it all down from the Scuderia F1 Pod. Here is Mr. Mark Daly. Daly, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing
0: this with me tonight. Uh, looking forward to, to jumping into this one yeah we go
1: talk about <laughs> we do boy <laughs> do we ever uh, give Mark a follow on Twitter at Scuderia f1 pod okay let's start with uh, the big news obviously Fernando Alonso being reinstated back into third place daily. What did you make of all of this shenanigans? <laughs> oh, man, shenanigans is the
0: word. I mean. Did we not learn anything after Abu Dhabi in 21? No. It's no. just like I feel like this is like this circular evergreen comment and or, or conversation, I should say. And I feel like, you know, but I want to know what does Esteban Ocon think about this? I mean, two weeks ago, I mean, he was just like, it's like, oh, you looked at the race director the wrong way. That's five seconds. Comes into the penalty or to serve his penalty. Oh, you did something not right quite there. That's another five seconds. And then, I mean, fair enough. Like, Fernando did misalign himself in, in his grid position on the starting grid. That was fair enough. But the whole thing that was kind of weird was that there was nothing untowards when the penalty was served during that safety car. And then I think like everyone else in those last three, four laps, when George's engineer gets on the radio and is like, well, you know, Fernando might be getting a penalty here. I think we're all kind of like, hey, wait, what? I mean, there was never an indication that we saw no- nothing. I heard on the comms flipping through the different drivers that uh, suggested that there was any investigation going on by the stewards. And then when it
1: dropped after the race, I was just like, what? <laughs> so, like, even so, I talked to the team afterwards. So, even like, they didn't get notified until after the checkered flag. That's how late this went. And well, so, yeah. Yeah, right? go ahead, dude. I was yeah. going to say, it's
0: just so silly, right? Because it affects both George and Fernando both negatively right Fernando if he knows if he figures he's got a pace advantage over George he can adjust like he can adjust on the fly there and try and open up a big enough gap whereas George knows that Fernando's gonna have a time penalty he can you know try and increase the pace and try and keep that gap within whatever that 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 window happens to be so I mean this serve neither driver you know I don't. I think it did anybody any justice.
1: And at the end of the day, they
0: come away with egg on their face. I think they just look silly, right?
1: Yeah. So we're taping this late on a Sunday evening. Um, we'll take it, take you through this penalty and then everything else chronologically. So, obviously, at the start of the race, like Mark, you had mentioned Fernando uh, slightly askew in his. Uh, grid box something similar to what we had seen with Esteban Ocon Alonso takes the takes the lead of this thing and then is notified that he's got a, a five second time penalty to serve at some point so team bring him in on I, I, I want to guess it's around lap 20 I think there was still probably about 60 percent left of uh, the race still needing to be run but Alonzo comes in for his first stop pits and the team. Basically, is that's when they're doing their five-second time penalty. The rear jack person touches the car um, with the jack stand. At the time, what ended up happening was you know the stewards, they had been informed uh, by both race control and the ROC, and they determined that the penalty. Uh, had been served properly so but the ROC daily which is uh, relatively new it's in Geneva and the ROC is the remote operation center so if you're a soccer fan it's kind of like VAR but I don't think it's to that level like VAR is is very very good and I I don't think the ROC is just there just yet that's not saying that they won't be they will Um, but it's fairly relatively new um so towards the end of the race the ROC is still sort of going over all of the things that are happening within the race and that's one of the things that they're still looking at and so the ROC then reports back um to the race control race control then reports back to uh the stewards on the last lap and that's when they received the the report from race control and ROC and determined that the penalty was actually not served properly, and the team wasn't alerted until after the checkered flag. So there's a lot that goes into this. So the FIA stewards um, reference an article, and so they sent they sent me all this information. And essentially, it's it, this this really comes down to wording and how certain things are worded. So if we go to 54.4, it is mentioned that whilst the car is stationary in the pit lane as a result of incurring a penalty in accordance with articles 54.3a or 54.3b above, it may not be worked on until the car has been stationary for the duration of the penalty then <laughs> <Dan>. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole bunch of notes. Um, so obviously they, they come in and they got, they got to argue about this, right? Because essentially what we're talking about here is wording and wording in a, in a specific way. So Aston Martin, uh sporting director, Andy Stevenson, basically what he does is he compiles seven, seven different, examples of the same thing where crew members were touching uh, a race car in the same form and fashion not working on the race car and they these these certain uh, examples that he provided those teams were not penalized and so then the stewards having looked through all of this they agreed you know that it was wasn't it wasn't a penalty and all because of a way something is wording when someone is touching and not working right and it's a good point that they make but they they also look at it as I think you know they've ex- not exploited but they've they caught something here in the rules and so I expect something that's something they'll look to, to reword I think and maybe clarify at some point but for now it, it worked in, in Aston Martin's favor daily
0: Yeah, you know, I was just thinking the same thing. It's just like... While these other times was it not a penalty for these uh, these other cars serving you know penalties for for whatever reason and you mm-hmm. know the, the rear jack stand is in the same position doing the same thing that aston martin did and wasn't it wasn't enforced that time so it just comes down to that sort of lack of consistency right and mm-hmm. I, I just find it really strange right i mean you and i were kind of joking before we went to air saying this is like in a basketball game like right at the very end of the game in the yeah. fourth quarter like a minute left like the, the opposing coach goes up to the referee and say, hey, remember that foul you didn't call way back in the first quarter? Why don't we go yeah. take a look at that? You know, if it yeah. was a penalty, it was always a penalty and it should have been noticed right away. And it's just like, I, I don't understand why it kind of had to go to the ROC because I'm sure there's somebody in the pit standing there making sure that they yeah. got eyes on it that... That 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 this is done properly because I mean when we had the last week or two weeks ago in Bahrain I mean there were so like how many penalties did Esteban get in in Bahrain I, I lost count it was three at least yeah. three it, yeah or, believe it, it was three
1: be, yeah there was um, there was the there was the uh, procedure yeah uh, in the grid box and then uh, there was the speeding in pit lane I believe and yep. then I think the other one was the crew. Um, Working think, on the car, like yeah, working.
0: Yeah, they were actually doing things because I don't think they actually in that situation was a little bit different. Well, maybe it was. I, I don't know if the like the jack was engaged just like they did for Fernando today, but I think for Esteban was they actually started doing working the things. If that's a, te- I'm going to get really tr- technical here <laughs> before like the the, the second hand ticked over five seconds, so they started like t- trying to remove tires or whatever it was. And, yeah, because you know, I think. Yeah
1: opmar had mentioned that they were going to consider leaving about half a second after the five seconds because i believe they jumped on it just a few tenths too early exactly yeah and they're yeah got slapped with that um other 10 second penalty so
0: yeah you you know what this kind of reminds me about tim and i i know we talked about this at the time a couple of years ago was just all the lack of consistency enforcing track limits back in 21 it it seemed like they would be enforced consistently at some races and then others and there was this big debate at the time it's just like you know like exceeding track limits is going to be The theory's got to be the same for every corner at every track at every race or else, you know, like what's the point of enforcing track limits? So I know that's like a completely different thing. That's the car out in the track and a driver, you know, cutting a corner, whatever it is, or... You know going way over on the curbs like you do on that final corner at the red bull ring so i mean it's slightly different but it was just the same thing that the lack in consistency of when to apply like track limits kind of mm-hmm. feels it has that same feel mm-hmm. that this whole thing did here but you know just just really weird how it all evolved and kind of like afterwards <laughs> and you know i took a while to catch up to the fact that you know fernando's podium was reinstated after it got yanked away from him after the race because I was sitting there uh, in the drive-thru getting my coffee this afternoon and I'm I'm scrolling through my Twitter as I'm waiting to pull up to the window and then all of a sudden I see like and it was like a tweet at that point was one hour old and Fernando was something to the point the gonna be great to finally get my 100th podium I was just kind of thinking dude did you not hear your your podium got (laughs) taken away (laughs) and then you know like I get home like about half an hour later and then I start seriously looking at the news and my email and everything like that and then I start uh, catching up I'm like oh boy here we go again
1: <laughs> well the thing is it's like you know leaving these decisions so uh, so late and you know this isn't the first time that something like this has happened and I just you know we've we've talked about this before it's just kind of how do you speed that process up where mm-hmm. you're getting uh, the penalty happening within uh, the race, right? Not within post-race. And so, like, how how do you speed that up? So Fernando Alonso's celebrating on the podium, and then, boom, you know, it's all taken away, and George has been promoted to third, then George is in the FIA press conference room, and not <laughs> Fernando, and we're all just like, wait a second. And so it just, it, how, so my question would be, is how do you speed How do you speed that up, right? Like you see in other sports, NHL, NBA, NFL, like, you know, things happen immediately, right? We get get the results right away, or they go to a review, and then eventually we get those answers, right? And it only takes a few minutes, but you're still within gameplay. Gameplay has not ended. So how do we do that? in racing that's what i would like to know man well exactly
0: when like like i say just you know a couple of minutes ago it's like when there was nothing that immediately was the concern of the person that was supervising and overseeing that the team didn't do anything during the like that stop itself it was something that came up all this time like afterwards that's that's where i find the disconnect like the person that was actually watching it live didn't flag anything it goes to the Rock or the Roc, whatever. I think the Rock sounds cooler. Actually, we're going with the Rock <laughs> for <from> now. <on. laughs> Apologies to Dwayne Johnson. Anyways, <laughs> you know, like it, it just there, there's a disconnect there, and, and I think that's where we're all going to be kind of like scratching our heads and then watching with interest to see how this evolves in the time ahead. Because you know, the next thing, like as as you were describing this whole situation, is that there's going to be some clarification that's going to come down from the FI saying this is a proper procedure, this is what you can't do this is what you can do and this is what we're this is how we're going to be controlling and monitoring the situation to make sure that you comply with the parameters of a, a like a 5 second or 10 second whatever it is you know, the the the
1: time penalty that needs to be enforced i think that's the only way to solve it let's talk about uh, Sergio Perez because obviously you have to give him his flowers right he's uh, yep. Yep. he did pretty good this weekend man he did pretty good happy for old Sergio it was a good uh, good result for him Uh, and for him to be so close now to max in the championship standings and then also on top of that you know verstappen coming from where he did i mean starting 15th and then just working his way up through the grid pretty impressive i mean that red bull man it is lights crazy the drs on that thing is wild dude wild it,
0: it's it just watching Max carve his way through the field today like a hot butter through a block of or a hot knife through a block of butter whatever the, <laughs> the saying is. You know, that's what it was. I mean, he was just slicing his way through. I mean, the way he look, made made Lewis just look like he was standing still, the way that he just blew by the Ferraris and the way that he blew by Fernando. I was just like... Oh, my God. And then just like, I thought it was kind of interesting because Fernando kind of hung with him for a lap or two. And then all this was like four seconds, five seconds, 10 seconds. What was it? 15 <laughs> seconds in the end. By the time it was all said and done, I was just like, wow, There, there there's like there's two classes in Formula One. There, there's Red Bull and there's there's everyone else. It was just uh, it was it was mind blowing. Just crazy. Yeah,
1: And Sergio was close uh, to Max on pace this weekend, too, which is positive to see because I wasn't too sure just how close he was going to be able to get to Max this season, um, but hey, he's he's uh, he's shown up. He's definitely shown up, and it was interesting. I was I was monitoring both of their radios uh, towards the end of the race, and I don't know if you remember when Max was on the radio complaining about uh, a weird uh, noise that was coming from behind him, like so in the engine area, yep. while he was going down some of the straights um it was around that time where his engineer said we want you to start targeting i think it was lap times of 33 flat so 33.0 33.1 and he was doing like 32.8 32.7 and even though you know i sit here and i say one minute 32 seconds seven you know even though i sit here and say that and for the average listener it may just be like oh well you know it doesn't sound like much it's kind of like he's really on it at that moment, and he's being very consistent, and one of the things he's being consistent at is trying to claw back Sergio Perez, <laughs> so he yeah. passed him for the lead. <laughs> but on top of all of that, too, was trying to get the fastest lap of the race, and he didn't get it until, like, the very last lap. And it was um, it was interesting, because Sergio was getting a you know a different kind of message, because he was also getting the you know, same sort of thing of, like, hey, we want you to target 33.0, 33.0, and He's asking, like, "Hey, was Max doing the same thing, right?" And sure enough, he wasn't. And then, obviously, at the end, he gets the fastest lap, and Sergio's in the cooldown room, and he's like, "Yeah, the fastest lap." He's like, "What the, you know, what were you, what was going on there, right?" So, I think we are going to see some stuff between these two guys um, as this season starts to unfold because it, uh, you know, it's it, it, it it's really going to get tight daily at the top and i'm here for it oh it, it, it's already started did you notice like in
0: the paddock like afterwards sergio went around and hugged and high-fived literally everyone there i mean a lot of the aston martin guys which she knows when they used to be racing point slash force india so they were just yep. as happy for him that he yep. won today then he went over yep. to his own crew and everything yep. and he went around but the one person that didn't even move or blink an eye was jasper Verstappen. i <laughs> mean oh my god if it looked those were daggers yelled for Sergio and uh, you know obviously like uh, when it comes to the Verstappens like anything other than winning a race is kind of like I would say a wasted weekend but certainly that is not what they're showing up to do and I I think there's a lot of beef between these two going back to what happened last year I mean I I think that we were all shocked when we heard Max's tirade there at the end of the Brazilian Grand Prix last year and that's when it all kind of came out and then there was like the the, the allegations that were levied that Sergio crashed on purpose in qualifying at Monaco. So I think that there's something beneath the surface here. And if these guys kind of like go back and forth all season long, trading wins and stuff like that, you know, and, and I thought about this because I knew at some point we were going to talk about it. At, at some point, I, I just can't believe that they would let... You know, Sergio win the championship. You know, like mm-hmm. if it gets really, really tight. Because, mm-hmm. do you really want to have that conversation at some point, like next year, that Sergio's like, "Well, I'm, I'm reigning world champion. Max only has mm-hmm. two championships. I, I've, I've got one. What makes him that much better than me? I, I, I just have a feeling at some point that, and, and we've seen how ruthless they are at, at rotating drivers in and out yeah. of those cars. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really i i can't see a, a situation where it kind of gets to like lewis Rosberg type like um you know toxicity you know it, it might but i would i would I like, I like it of all the teams i would just expect them to come clearly and say you're one you're two and sergio max is our boy you know we built this team in this car around him and if you don't like it too bad if you don't want to be here you know Danny Ricardo is sitting in the wings, plus yep. you know, <laughs>
1: eighteen or nineteen other guys that would love to get in your seat. So yep, yeah, hundred um, percent. Verstappen leads championship with the uh, forty-four points. Sergio Perez trails with forty-three. Fernando Alonso is third with thirty. Carlos Sainz is fourth with twenty points. Lewis Hamilton is tied with him with twenty points as well. Then comes George Russell. Uh, daily. I mean, the Red Bull on another planet, and it's interesting to hear some of the other drivers talk about it, uh, especially Lewis Hamilton, uh, who said that he's never seen a car so fast. He said it's the fastest car he's ever seen compared to the rest, and when we were fast, we weren't that fast. I'm going to argue that.
0: <laughs> i i remember you know for the years 2014 to 2021 exactly one where there was a lot of times where there was like the silver mercedes and a lot of daylight between you know everyone else i mean there were some challengers interspersed in there we had some some good years there where with sebastian and the ferrari kind of mixing it up with them and other times where they were just literally blowing the door like the well, i wouldn't say the these cars don't have doors but you know what i mean blowing the the, off of everyone else right
1: the, i remember there was a time so when like the uh the hybrid power units came online in 2014 which is the current power units that they run now when those engines were introduced mercedes like nailed a home run with theirs and also the car as well and they were lapping in a race Almost up to like fourth place in some races if I remember correctly. That's ridiculous. Like yep. that they, they weren't Red Bull wasn't hasn't been doing that just yet. Like those Mercedes were wicked fast, man, and nobody could touch them.
0: Nobody. That, that reminded me, like, when I was growing up in the 80s, I remember some of these, like, uh, you know, like the Williams-Honda era, like yeah. with, like uh, Patrese and Mansell, or Mansell, Mansell and PK. Yeah. And I went back and looked to watched a race, I think it was like the 1986 or 1987 British Grand Prix or something like that. It could have been PK and Mansell that year, whichever year it was. And it was crazy because this was like the era where you had like turbos and normally aspirated cars. They were literally lapping guys after like about four or five laps, like the slow pokes. And they, same thing, they literally lapped the entire field. It was, it was just absolutely insane. And then like, cause when that era came in, like about 10 years ago, I kind of had like a deja vu when I was a kid watching like, 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 uh, well, the, the Williams and also the McLarens just like literally lapping everyone but themselves. And then it was like it was like a flashback. It was just like, you know, it was like modern retro. <laughs> but, it, it, it you know, I just find those comments from Lewis a little bit kind of like ironic because I kind of feel like the natural progression from this is that... At some point, the other teams are going to start complaining that they're living off of ill gotten gains. That, you know, like the basis of this car is the car from last year, which was developed. You know, for this, you know, like uh, under the you know, the uh, the overspend, which you know was like catering, according to Red Bull, and you know, uh, you know, was questioned and, and you know rather dubiously by everyone else. And I, I just feel at some point that's where it's going to go if they continue to, to to dominate. I mean, I don't think that that there's any you know recourse that anyone else has at this point. But I just I, I feel like that's going to be the natural progression.
1: <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. Here's one of the ways I kind of look at all this so i mean obviously with uh red bull you know they've developed an incredible car adrian Newey and company back yeah back at the factory you know this car is a monster no question about it but this is a and i said this on sports center this is a different formula one it just is it's different because there's a cost cap There is restriction on wind tunnel testing time and CFD design. And for those who who don't know, those are basically some of the ways that they make these cars fast. And at the end of every season, team who wins the Constructors' Championship, so last year was Red Bull, they get the least amount of time in the wind tunnel. Plus, they took a sporting penalty for what Mark had just mentioned. Which puts them down to around 65%, 66%, if I'm not mistaken, of wind tunnel testing time. If we go back and we look at everybody else, everyone else gets more. So then it goes Ferrari, then it goes Mercedes, and then it goes McLaren, and then... uh, Wait, sorry, Alpine, then McLaren, then Alfa Romeo, then Aston Martin. So the Aston has... A ton of wind tunnel testing time. A lot. So much. They have the budget as well um, to stay and push up against the cost cap. Now it's interesting that you know we haven't seen like there were some upgrades this weekend uh to some of the teams and some of the cars. They were somewhat minor, like we didn't have major upgrades. If we go back and we look at 2022 and you take a look at the beginning of the season, and I'll use Aston Martin as an example because they're a good one. They were at the back. They were at the back. They had one of the worst cars on the grid, and it was slow. And I'm not just saying like a little bit slow. I'm saying it was slow. Mm -hmm. And they introduced a huge upgrade at the Spanish Grand Prix. And it took them a few races to try and figure it out. But once they figured it out, they started bringing upgrades to the car, and they started hitting home runs with these upgrades. They went from being one of the slowest cars on the grid to, you know, one of the cars that was battling in the midfield and in for points. So that's how fast this can turn around. Okay. So Red Bull at the moment, I would say they've got about two tenths gap from Red Bull to Ferrari in qualifying. And then re- the race is more, obviously. And that comes down a lot to tire management. How does the car use the tires? And where are they getting their aerodynamics from? Mercedes mm-hmm. is going to be introducing introducing an upgrade to this car in about three to four races time. And from my understanding, this car is going to look way different. Way different. And so what you get there is you get a major upgrade you don't know what it's going to do. We don't know what type of performance they're going to be able to get from that. So, daily, there's a, there's a lot of things here that people still need to kind of keep their eyes on. I mean, this thing isn't over. I mean, has Red Bull built up a nice cushion? Absolutely. Are they going to add to it? For sure. But who's to say that by the time we get to race 10, that gap's been cut more in half? Like, we're talking, you know, race 10 lap times of tenths not you know almost seconds
0: oh I- exactly i think you raised a number of really really good points there and just like 10 years ago almost when we got got into this turbo uh, hybrid era like, like you said it was mercedes that got everything right and we come into the new era of formula one that was introduced for last year It was Red Bull that just everything was right. They knew they had a great power unit with the Honda. And is anybody ever going to doubt a design team that's headed by Adrian Dewey? No, I don't. You shouldn't. If you don't, or if you do, then you should probably do a little bit more research. Because, I mean, he's a proven, I wouldn't say a winner. I think he's a proven genius at this point. I mean, he's just, um, he, he knows what it takes to design and build a fantastic race car. And let's not forget that Red Bull themselves do what it takes to win races and championships. Mm -hmm. I mean... Just ask Sebastian Vettel that has like an entire house full of uh, of trophies and world championships. I mean, when you go back to you know the you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, all those championship years that uh, they, they won. Yeah, sure. They had a little bit of a lean patch in between there, but it, it took a long time for everyone to catch up. But more to your point is they're the team that are out front right now and everybody else is trying to catch up. And you know you hear like toto talking about yeah we're, we're making changes to the car this is going to be a fundamentally different car three four five races down the road aston martin i mean they're finally doing what we've wanted to see them do the last couple of years i mean when i heard lauren stroll was going to you know and his group were going in to buy this team and take it over i'm like lauren stroll is not going to do this just as a vanity thing he's going in there properly he's going to invest the money they're going to be there to be contenders and winners and and it's taken a while and you know our podcast we've been critical about them but it's always been i think warranted criticism and you know, we, we saw, like you say, that that huge upgrade package that they introduced in Spain last year, and you know, like, and as you also correctly pointed out, it took them a while to to, to figure it out, but they got it figured out, and boy, does that Aston Martin look great now! I mean, they, they've leapfrogged Mercedes, they've leapfrogged Ferraris, and the Ferraris, and as Fernando said, yeah, the, uh, the the Red Bulls are still you know an arm length away, but I don't I don't think that anybody at Aston Martin is disappointed where they are right now. To to get had a couple of podiums to start off the, the 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 beginning of the season realizing okay yeah red bulls you know quite a bit uh, ahead of us and and everyone else but you know they're going to be motivated to catch them i mean obviously they're going to be a little bit frustrated which happened what happened to lance today but that's that's a different story mm-hmm. but you know it's I, I i i i guess i shouldn't jump to conclusions but I don't know in this modern era of Formula One, if, if Red Bull is dominant right now, if they can stay as dominant in this new era of Formula One that Mercedes was previously. I, I think in a long-winded way, that's try what I'm trying to get to. So Yeah.
1: No, no, I agree with that. I don't think they can stay at that level of dominance that Mercedes had just because the formula is different now mm-hmm. regulations are the regulations are totally different now like I'd mentioned the cost cap and then also the wind tunnel and CFD uh, reduction time that every team has to kind of go through it's it's all different now and I don't think it's I think things are going to change I mean I think just like for Formula One fans, that have been around the sport for so long and so used to seeing, like, dominance. It's got to be one of those things in your soul that's just like, no! <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, like, yep, painful yep. to watch, but, like, <laughs> I don't think this is it. I don't... Like, the Red Bull's awesome. Don't don't get me wrong. That, that thing is a thing of beauty, but yep. at the end of the day, I think these teams, some of these teams, I think they can claw back some of that performance. I think this thing can be closer... As we get further into this season. Because we still don't know how Red Bull's sporting penalty is going to affect them this year either. So there's so many different things still on the table. Daily, Aston Martin. Very impressive this weekend. I didn't think they were going to be as good uh, at this track. And when I looked at Bahrain, they were great in the braking zones. They were great in high speed. Uh, They were great in the corners essentially but in the straight line they just did not have that straight line pace and you come to this track in jetta where you need a lot of straight line pace and man they they were able to find trade-offs like big trade-offs like they really capitalized on their braking and their heavy braking moments and they really capitalized on the high speed sections i mean Lance's purple sector one and Q three he had a mistake at turn twenty two so that's essentially coming to the end of sector two starting sector three um if he had to piece that lap together you know we're talking about Lance being like maybe third fourth fastest like that was a that was a hell of a lap that Lance was putting in and qualifying um the car looks great i mean and listening to alonzo and how happy he is with this thing i mean the baseline that they have got with this car because they weren't even too sure right they're like yeah yeah yeah. And i now remember hearing from mike crack after bahrain and he even said like look let's keep our feet on the ground let's not get too carried away we don't know what this car is going to be like when we go to uh saudi arabia which is another different type of track than bahrain and we don't know what it's going to be like in australia but now they've They've been able to accumulate a lot of data daily, and they—they uh, they look good, man. This is uh, this is this is a this is going to be a scary team, I think, when we get to when we get really into this season.
0: You know what? The one thing that really stood out for me today that really has got me convinced that this is a good car is after Fernando's pit stop, he was driving around, had several laps on the hard tires. And he said he radios back to the pits, and he says, "Guys, I really like how these tires feel." When a lot of the other drivers up till that point in the race were complaining about how the hard yep. tires weren't working for them. Yeah. And I thought, point. you know, keep 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 in mind that this is also the hard tires that you know take more time to get into that that real sweet spot, and the fact that the tire warmers this year have been detuned, if you want yep. to call it, down to seventy degrees Celsius. So I, I just felt that that was a real kind of like aha moment when when I heard Fernando like. And and you could tell like that you could hear the satisfaction in his voice. You could just feel that, or you could just tell that that the car and the tires, the whole package was just really working mm-hmm. for him. But, you know, m- more to your point, I, I love how that uh, they're able to kind of play to their strengths rather than being held by, back by some of the the weaknesses that they have I- I- in the car. And it's just going back to qualifying. And, of course, we had uh, Charles who qualified in P2 but then took the penalty, so kind of moved everybody up a, a, a spot. But you had uh, Fernando qualifying third and Lance uh, sixth and then, you know, second and fifth. But... Yeah, it's just too bad that he had that one little mistake at the the end there. Because I mean, he just that, that purple sector he set in, in 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 sector one was just really kind of like mind blowing. And i I'm, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing from them yeah. right now. Granted, you know, we still have what 21 races to go or whatever yeah. it is, but. It, it's it's encouraging because, you know, Mark Hamilton, and myself on, on our show, we've been, you know, really kind of gone all in with the obvious, you know, heavy Canadian connection and influence in that team to see them do good. And it just hasn't really materialized until, you know, into this year. But, mm-hmm. you know, you, you got like a combination of solid ownership you got like a, you know like the new factory the new facilities you got a couple of good drivers and i mean how many races does lance have now like 130 i mean i still feel like he's this like this fresh-faced you know like 17 year old where he's like i wouldn't say a grizzled vet but i mean he's got a lot of races under his belt and it was unfortunate that the car let go on him today because unfortunately i mean great result for fernando obviously get a p3 but lance has got to feel disappointed yeah, because knowing that P4. there there was there was points on the uh, table for him as yeah. well, just like big they were points. Around. Yeah,
1: yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to watch. I mean, a great pass on Carlos Sainz there in the opening. Oh, All up it. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good, man. And uh <laughs> I, hey, I honestly, he looks he looks good considering missing preseason testing. And I always say this: how important preseason testing is, and I can't stress that enough. But. Uh, he he's he's looking solid he's looking solid. I mean, last uh I wanna say in Bahrain about six tenths. he's cut that down to around three tenths now, maybe even more. I think his qualifying lap would have been way closer to Fernando if he had of stitched it all together. Um George Russell coming in fourth, Lewis Hamilton, uh fifth, Mercedes actually looking not too bad in the race and even with tire management, uh better than the Ferraris, Did He like what the hell is going on here,
0: man? <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Because, I mean, I, I feel like we're seeing, like, despite all the struggles that they had last year with the W13 and its, you know, success through the W14 and the fact that this car is going to evolve significantly over the weeks and months ahead, I mean, we're seeing some improvements and Ferrari just continue to struggle. But, you know... I, I don't want to throw too much shade at them and criticize them just yet because I mean, like Fred Visser has been on the job for what, like 13 days or something yeah. like that? I mean, he came in really late during yeah. like the off season. And so started I started mean, in
1: January.
0: So. Exactly. So I yeah. mean, a lot of what I, I mean, he can make those changes. Okay. This is what we're going to do. Like, like, like the, the racy stuff, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. car itself. You know, like the, the, the development and evolution of the car, it, it it's going to take for some time for those, you know, any, any initiatives spearheaded by Fred Vasseur to really manifest themselves. So, you know, this is going to be a large holdover, bringover from last year, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, just kind of like frustrating, again, if you're a Ferrari fan, because I, I think that... A, a decent recovery drive for Charles. I mean, considering you know the the reliability issues he had last week, but you know, when compared to to the other teams in the top three, I mean, there seems to be a bit of a gap between them as well. Between Aston Martin, obviously, and and, and even now to Mercedes, and I w- mm-hmm. would I don't think it's it's too unfair to say that Mercedes haven't really been lights out the first couple of races, but. They definitely, if I I compare them sort of straight up with Ferrari, I think I'm going to go a little bit more, put my money more on Mercedes to get this thing right sooner than Ferrari. I just yeah, got some work to do there.
1: Yeah, they do. I know know Mercedes is, um, like we had mentioned closer to the top of the show here, they're going to have a big upgrade coming. That upgrade, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because listening to Toto on Friday he did make mention that you know do they have enough money cost cap wise to redo this entire car well they don't and to change the chassis you know you can't do that either so i'm wondering if the chassis is overweight where with the red bull they've got something that's a little bit lighter and then on top of that the real real performance you know it's coming from the floor of the car and it's coming with how the front wing interacts with the air and directs it to the to to the to the bottom of the car, and then how are the side pods also working in conjunction with all of that and the rear of the car? So for Mercedes, the upgrade that they probably, I'm assuming, are going to bring, it's going to be this car is going to look totally different. It's not going to look anything like this once they're done doing whatever it is they're trying to do. It's going to take a while. Probably going to, I'm assuming they probably won't be done making big upgrade changes until maybe spain maybe out maybe a bit after as well maybe silverstone at the same time so there's some there's some windows there to hit uh with this car but i think if like i'd said you know they can nail upgrades they'll be okay with ferrari it's a little bit different they seem very tentative with the engine um not running it at full power for you know, free practice three was a bit concerning. Um, Same goes with, with quality. I don't really think they had, they had that engine in full quality mode either daily. Uh, So reliability being one of their issues for sure, how the tire interacts um, with the car for race distances is another thing. Uh, And these are all things that they were supposed to be working on in the off season, right? Like frustrating to see. <laughs> well we well, definitely right i mean
0: when we take a look at this team that you know we, we we just you know basically referred heavily to the mercedes era of 2014 to i don't know, bring it up uh, to to maybe even 2021 i yeah. mean even though max wins that championship i mean it went Back and forth between Max and Lewis, and then came down to obviously a very controversial season finale uh, that that year. It, it's just really kind of weird to see them struggle, but we, we we've seen a couple of different you know signs that uh, of of improvement. Not, not even just some little flashes here in the first couple of races this year, but I mean, take it back to Brazil last year, which you know was kind of like George Russell's like I don't know arrival party, whatever you want to call it. I mean, like it, it really signaled to the you know, that that he's a, a really really good formula one driver and this wasn't a completely hopeless hopeless car but you know i just find it really interesting coming into this season knowing all the issues that they had the, with the car last year that this year's car was almost a you know a control c control v cut and paste kind of job right and that that it it just seemed so strange to say that okay well we we all know that they've thought for the longest time that if we can just uncork the potential that we think that this philosophy that this car could have then it would be a game changer but they just haven't been able to do that so that's why i just kind of found it kind of interesting that saying that they, they brought this new car to the season and then we're like well you know if it doesn't work we, we've got plans for something completely different which is now you know the route that they're going to go down it just it seems very strange to kind of like hear that language from from a team that's to me has always been very decisive and very certain about you know what, what what they're doing but I guess compared to like the glory years over the past 10 years or so is now they're in a different position because they're chasing Rather than than leading, you know, they're not the ones that are everybody's trying to catch up to. As they're trying to catch up to the to the Aston Martins and the Red Bulls of the world, you know, especially the Red yeah. Bulls,
1: right? Qualifying pace for them looks actually not too bad. Uh, like I'd mentioned, probably around you know two and a half tenths um, shy of of the Red Bull, but obviously the race pace is where everything's sort of letting them down at the same time. Uh, Alpine, we finally really got to see uh what they are all about this season so far because in Bahrain you know obviously with Esteban Ocon's penalties like we had mentioned and Pierre Gasly starting like dead last for that race Alpine's looking pretty good like I think again same thing updates what's that car gonna look like in a few races time last season they were really good at nailing their upgrades and being aggressive with bringing upgrades to the car uh and I think a lot of that had to do with Alonso just being so forceful with everything um but both Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly finishing eighth and ninth at one point I thought those two were going to get together (laughs) (laughs) I think it was on the restart after the after the safety car but um you know that would have been interesting uh but outside of that I mean both uh doing a pretty impressive impressive job daily what do you think yeah it would have been interesting
0: uh, especially all the uh you know if they came together especially after they've been saying hey you know what all the stories that we don't get along or you know we're actually pretty good bros you know (laughs) So that would have uh, kind of like proved, you know, you know, proved or disproved that theory. But yeah, I mean, P8 and P9 for um, Ocon and Gasly, only a couple of seconds between them. And if you look where they were compared to Charles, they weren't really that far behind Charles either. So, I mean, obviously maybe, you know, Ferrari isn't the benchmark you want to measure yourself again. But, you know, after the less than ideal start to the season in Bahrain two weeks ago, I, I think this is a really solid result for them. They get uh, they get a nice handful of points they you know, more importantly both uh, cars finish the race and I, I, I think it's something that they can really take um, you know you'll be satisfied with and move on to the next race and see where it goes from from, from there but you know so funny I was kind of having like 2020 flashbacks that that was a, a racing point you know with a, like that BWT and the, the, the pink livery which I think look is really cool but yeah it's interesting is you could you can tell it's like without even asking it's like Otmar which sponsors did you bring from with you when you left you left Aston Martin. You know, it, it's pretty obvious, you know, who are on you know, which money follows Otmar around when he yeah. <laughs> in the paddock. But yeah, no, it's great to see. I think they're their team definitely to keep an eye on this year.
1: Kevin Magnussen grabbing some points for for Haas finishing uh, tenth getting uh, Yuki Tsunoda on a really nice pass down into uh, down into T1 uh, late in the race. Kevin, I think needed that. I mean Nico uh, Hulkenberg who finished P12. I he's been he's been really good since coming back and I think he's caught Kevin Magnussen out and I think Magnussen needed this result today.
0: Yeah, 100%. You know, after the last couple of years and some like like some I, I think some pretty you know, warranted questions about the driver lineups that they, they've had, especially two years ago. I really liked the fact that they brought Nico Hulkenberg in. I know that, uh, you know, Mick Schumacher was going to be another project, I, I think, kind of going into the season. And when I heard that they decided to bring Nico Hulkenberg and give him uh, that second seat, that really said to me that their thought process over at Haas is this is a car that we think is You know, capable of consistently finishing in the points. And we want to put it in the hands of drivers that we think are capable of uh, giving us consistent point finishes. So, you know, obviously that didn't happen a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, Hulk, he finishes just out of the points today. I I felt like that, uh, you know, he needs a couple of races to really get really 100 comfortable with the car i think like like you say he's done a pretty good job so far i think he's been pushing kevin magnuson as well and i think this is going to be a fun one to watch as well because they've really been languishing kind of there like in the last couple of years and i i think that this will be an interesting team to watch and like i say i think they believe that this car, like this they have a car that can score points so now the question is, can K-Mag and Hulk deliver mm-hmm. the points that Gunther and Gene Hass think that this car can deliver?
1: Uh, let's move on. Joe uh, Guan Yu, really good performance from him. I know, obviously, he's not scoring points, but he blew Valtteri Bottas out of the water this weekend. I mean... Here in Volturio it was a it was a tough weekend. I mean, Jeddah is a tough track in general if you don't have your confidence and if you don't trust the car and if you're having way too many issues with the car, you know, you kind of have to if you picture it this way, it's Jeddah is not a track that you just kind of go and go easy flat out with everything and push everything to the limit right away. It's a track that you really have to build up into. So by the time you get to qualifying and deep into qualifying, that's where you're going to start playing with how close to that limit can you get because the with this track, when it bites, it bites big time, and it's going to cost you a lot of money like Mick Schumacher uh, experienced (laughs) last season. So I think for Zhou Guan Yu to deliver the performance in the alpha that he did this weekend, very impressive. He did He did very impressive this weekend. Same with Nick DeVries, um, who, again, uh, didn't get free practice three. They were changing out, uh, I believe they were changing something out with the power unit uh, for free practice three, if I remember correctly, and he didn't even get any running at all. And free practice three sets you up for qualifying, gets you ready for qualifying, gets your confidence so you can go and extract the performance from yourself and from the car and 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 for Nick, I mean, really good job this weekend. Really good job. Same with Oscar Piastri. Very impressive mm-hmm. outpacing Lando Norris. Piastri in, uh, in P-15 and Norris all the way back in P-17. Uh, what do you make of that? Uh, what do you make of that, daily? Because Piastri, towards the end of that race, was all over Lando's ass in, like... <laughs> I I loved
0: it. I loved it. You know, like um, obviously when when you're a rookie that comes into Formula One, you're going to have eyes on you, but I think there are more eyes on Piastri just because of the way that, you know, he got that seat at McLaren. I mean, you know, like the, the whole situation with Alpine and the, the whole social media rebuttal. And then, you know, the kind of displacing Ricardo and all that. So I, I think that everybody kind of had their eyes. like, okay, who is this guy? Is he as good as, you know, like as they're, they're kind of making him out to be? So, I mean, we're only two races into his Formula One career. He obviously only got a handful of laps of Bahrain a couple of weeks ago. But the way that he was fighting straight up with Lando, and I love Lando, I think Lando is a very good driver. And obviously, this car is not a great car. And, I mean that's a completely different discussion, but regardless, I mean in similar like identical equipment to his teammate, I, I love the feistiness that we saw from from Piastri right at the end. That okay, we, we might be at the back of the pack here, but you know, because that's that's your benchmark, because always your teammate. And I thought that was uh, it, it was it was good to see that the fight in Piastri and take it to Lando like that. So very cool impressive,
1: moment. yeah, very impressive from. Uh, from Oscar this weekend, considering the type of track that you know Jetta is, it's you know it doesn't it doesn't uh, suit well for rookies, and if rookies mm-hmm. have crashes there, it it sets them back quite a bit because. Like I said, when it bites, it bites big time. And for Piastri, just a load of confidence coming into some of this, into qualifying for sure. Love it, love it. Oh my god, man! I was like, who is this kid? Think he is <laughs> like. I'm like that old man sitting on the couch, like watching him. Like, but no, shaking extreme, your fist at the yeah, <laughs> extremely impressive, extremely impressive. I'm excited to see what uh, he can do later on this season, and he's going to give Lando a run big time. Uh, Logan Sargent, uh, great job from Logan as well. Um, considering where he ended up, I think you know he he had done a he had done a nice job to hold on to position. Uh, for as long as he could he got close to almost uh, getting up into a point scoring position at one point ended up dropping back to 16th but uh, Logan's looked uh, pretty solid daily coming home p16 what do you think yeah,
0: absolutely. I think he did a great job really mixing it up there in the pack. But let's not forget, in his debut two weeks ago, he finished P12, where his teammate finished P10. So I think that he, he like, I, I think he's pretty close to where Alex Albon is, which I think is a, a pretty good measuring stick, considering Alex has been around in Formula One, he's been with some pretty big teams. And so, you know, he's he's pretty much settled in and knows what, uh, what what he needs to do. So I like what I'm seeing from Logan, but despite the fact that, you know, he he, he wasn't able to maintain that position that he had that was just sort of outside of the points. He didn't make it easy for for the for the other drivers that were trying to take those uh, you know track positions away from him. So I'm liking what I'm seeing, but I, uh, just in general, I'm also liking what I'm seeing from Williams. Sure, they haven't shot up to like a top five team, but clearly there is an improvement that we've seen from from last year. And then I mean, sure Alex got points last weekend, but mm-hmm. maybe this is a car that can sneak into the points occasionally. And I think um, you know Logan, you know if he can keep. It up maybe he's got a chance to score
1: some points this season which I think would be great uh, as for Alex Albin obviously DNFing with what the team is calling an issue in the mechanical brake system uh, that could have been kind of scary seeing as you know this is a heavy braking circuit so I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't want to have that that type of an issue Uh daily this has been great do you want to stick around and do some Twitter questions sure let's do it okay cool all right, Daly, thanks very much for sticking around. Let's head on over to Twitter and uh, take some of your questions because there actually are, are, are quite a few. Uh, and it, My apologies for mispronouncing all of your names. I suck at it, but I'll do my best, and I'll start with your Twitter handle. At Parox, lush? I don't know. Oscar Gould. <laughs> I, I don't know. Why is there a discussion about which driver of the same team should go ahead of the other question mark discussions with perez and max today has happened with mercedes as well is there a logic to this strategy and if so what is it daily do you want to take that one or do you want me to grab it
0: um I'll, I'll i'll try and bite this one off first of all you know just to, i was thinking about like uh, max and uh, Checo today i i think that if max came to the point where he was like threatening to like take the lead from uh, perez I think that, you know, if there's any sort of team orders, I think they give that one to Checo because he 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 recorded the poll. He led basically every single lap. I mean, except for a couple, you know, that Fernando was leading at the beginning. So he kind of earned it. I mean, yeah. under normal circumstances, I... I, I, I don't believe we would have seen Perez take pole I think would have been Max's but I think that Checo would have got this one um, you know just on the basis of um, you know what he did over the course of the weekend now it's kind of interesting too that if the the championship gets a little bit closer or if say it was uh, you know Max is fighting with Fernando or Lewis and Checo's further down in the standings then you know they tell him you know buddy pull on over let Max through mm-hmm. he needs maximum points here so Lewis doesn't you know close that gap or Fernando whoever right but i think usually i mean when it comes down to um, you know things like that there will be you know like they'll give preference to the number one driver but then it was kind of interesting too today we saw you know like a with the with the um the, the, the mclarens and i think also with um, you know the, the 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 mercedes as well as sometimes you just got to let the faster car through mm-hmm. so i think you know there is kind of like the the written rule, but then sometimes, you know, there's the unwritten rule of like what what's happening out on the track as well, right?
1: From at Chris in the Six, why didn't Max park his car next to Checo and Alonzo's on the main street? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't think there's anything uh, too suspicious to look into that, uh, Don, but uh, it was odd, but he may not have also been given uh, the message at the same time, uh, but that being said... Uh, The FIA does release documents stating where uh, park for May and parking procedures will take place for the top three drivers. So maybe he didn't have a look at that. Um, From at 305 KMGP, what are the chances Gene Haas has to sell the team due to his recent dealings with Russia? Could Andretti buy in that way? Uh, I believe uh, Haas has actually denied that report, and I believe it was from the PBS, and believe they denied it um, over on their website. It was Wednesday or Thursday, so head on over there and you can get the news on that. Yeah, uh, I just want to jump in yeah. for a second. Yeah, they, they hit
0: back pretty hard on that, yeah, saying yeah. that there was equipment that was shipped, but it was already in transit and was before the whole thing. It was you before know, the, like the whole, the, yeah, before the war started, the yeah. invasion on all that, and you know sanctions. It, Sanctions, sanctions the, the sanctions. sanctions. Thank you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you know, they, they were pretty like the, they were pretty detailed and yep. pretty clear on what they were. They they feel like they they haven't done anything wrong and that they you know they they wouldn't do anything like that. So as as we, we talked about in our show the other day that we kind of feel like that this story isn't over that either yeah. there's going to be some sort of retraction or more details coming from you know like the 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 reporters or there's going to be some sort of legal action or something like that um, like I say
1: watch this space I, I don't think that story's done yet from at Ritech yes is Aston Martin third at this point I would say second second Uh, That's what I would say. It's just just they haven't gotten all of the points that uh, they should have by now. I mean, like we were saying, I mean, daily, if Lance finishes P4 and doesn't get a DNF, I mean, we're talking about a different team in second place. Yeah, totally right, and yeah. I, I, I like what I'm seeing from Lance this year. Like Mark
0: Hamilton and I, we bought property in Lance Stroll Island a long time ago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and we we haven't had a lot of neighbors come in, but over the f- past couple of races, we've had people come in, stay for lunch, and look around. So I mean, that th- you know, joking aside, I, I think people are starting to give Lance a little more cred. Like I I, I still feel like Lance doesn't get his fair. Like, like, he doesn't get his due respect, you know. I, I, I just hate that argument at this point that he's only in Formula 1 because his old man's got a lot of money and basically bought him a team so he can race in Formula 1. I, I just, that this just drives me like bananas at this point. But, you know, he, he's... Be, he's a good driver and mm-hmm. had his car not let him like let him down today he would have got some serious good points just like he did two weeks ago I think that Lance is doing a great job Fernando's doing a great job and for me just like you Aston Martin is the, you know at this point I don't think there's a question as to you know for for competition who is is uh, number two two races mm-hmm. into the season they're the second best team Mm-hmm.
1: at ketchup chip fan nice I like ketchup <laughs> chips that's a good one That's <laughs> pretty good uh, with Ferrari's poor pace today are they now the fourth best team on the grid Daily. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are.
0: You, you've got the, the the Mercedes sandwich. You've got like you, you've got Aston Martin on one side. You've got Ferrari on the the, the other side. I, I think that Ferrari, they're just they're, they're there, but they're not quite as good as yet. They, they might switch back and forth, you know, places with the Mercedes, but. Not really a lot to be, you know, really excited about. The one thing I will give them some, you know, some, some cred for is that at least they're not making real head scratching calls on the pit wall. Yeah. Although it was kind of like interesting that like Fernando or sorry, not Fernando, Charles did call out his, <laughs> um, his engineer like at one point Xavi, to yeah. say, yeah, it's yeah. Like, you got to tell me these things. Come yeah. on. <laughs> so it's it, it's not perfect, like, but I mean, at least we're not like having all those things. It's just like, hey, if like the people at home know this was the wrong call, how come we're the only people? You're the only people, literally on the face of the earth, and you're right there. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't realize this was the wrong call. So I, I will give them some credit that, uh, you know, and, and that's where I think Vester's influence is going to be. It's going to be in strategy. It's yeah. going to be those on the call, like on the fly calls during the race. And I think till they get the car that he wants designed, and built and on the track, that's where we're going to see the
1: uh, his influence on the team. From at no underscore name account. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Mercedes is doing way better than their despair indicates. Agree or disagree. They are faster than Ferrari and more reliable than Aston. Um, no, it's not good there. <laughs> like, they had a good race on, on Sunday, but if you go yep. back to Bahrain, it was a disaster. I mean... Absolute mess. Um, the team is furious, frustrated. I think eventually, I think eventually, Mercedes. Okay, hear me out here. I think Mercedes eventually ends up second in the championship. What do you think? I could see that
0: happening, but like, like a, I agree with what you say. Like they were a mess, like after the like the the, the race because Lewis, he kind of, sort of, it was kind of like the passive aggressive throwing them under the bus. But not really, and that's why I thought, thought it was kind of interesting when we got to media day on Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it was. He kind of walked those comments back a little bit, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. But I mean, at the end of the day, I still kind of believe. I, I still really believe in the team. I think we can get better. They, they could be right. I mean, mm-hmm. they will. You know the big th- the big question is how good is this car going to be once they get all the bits on it that they want to put onto it when they get mm-hmm. like the full upgrades Like on there, if they're still behind Aston Martin at that point, I think, you know, we have to, you know, kind of look at it's like, Tim, are you sure still sure that they could get seconds, (laughs) you know, but but at this point, I I, I will agree with you. I think it's possible, you know, because I, I don't want to write them off because in the past, you know, like whenever they've had like a real issue, they've always found a way to. To solve the problem mind you that was back in the day that you could spend whatever you wanted and now you know you've got to be a little bit more frugal and make choices and you have to live within the cost cap so there's that
1: and then plus listening to lewis after qualifying i mean hamilton even said like he's not even confident like driving this car like when was the last time you ever heard lewis hamilton ever say anything like that ever that just last like, year no, but like him actually like coming out <laughs> saying know, even know, though yeah. like compared to last yeah. year, he's still saying that he doesn't have the confidence in this car. I mean, that's not a good sign when your yeah. driver says that. It's like yep. when France Toast said at the uh said on Friday that like he doesn't trust any of his engineers because they gave him false information and they thought this <laughs> car this Alpha Tower car was gonna be great and it turns out it's not great at all. <laughs> I mean, it's like stuff like that, right? Like he actually came out and like said it. That's Yep pretty big stuff for lewis to actually say i've never heard aside from that one time well, last year yeah, that, 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 never i heard think of this really yeah
0: i think that's a great observation because when like when you watched lewis drive around jetta over the weekend did you ever get the impression he was pushing that car to the limit i didn't no you can see no now yeah, you even see tell. yeah
1: yeah i mean that's why george qualifies him right like just yeah. has has that capability of taking that car to the limit he was comfortable enough to figure that out Mm -hmm. where lewis is still a little bit more behind but i think once he kind of once lewis gets into feeling comfortable again and like you said they bring upgrades to this car i mean this will turn around for him no problem i mean he's a seven time formula one world champion one of the greatest of all time for a reason uh daily this has been great Thanks, man, very much for coming on. Let everybody know what you got going on, where they can find you. Well, you can find us where
0: the Scooter F One Pod. You can find us Apple, Spotify, wherever. And best way to get in touch with us is on Twitter at Scooter F One Pod. Do usually a race uh, wrap up, usually with this guy, Mister Harani. and then we've got our weekly show on usually drop Thursday nights or Friday mornings. All right, buddy. Thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Loved it. Thanks very much.
1: Okay, let's head on over to Grid Rival and uh, update our standings board on how everyone's doing in our in our league. We have four hundred and twenty nine players. That's ridiculous. It's great. Love it. Uh, this is following the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. I'll just run through the top ten. Uh, in first place is Laris T with two thousand and twenty six uh, points. Apologies if I butcher your names, Josh Swimmy with uh, 2021, J Hamilton 98 with 2008, then Creek Chubs, followed by uh, Feldman. Hey, it's Feldman from across the hall in fifth. C Nolan and six. C Nolan 55 and six. Then it's the Lizard King, and then Jeremy. Tezang all and cam jam bam 99 all tied uh for six and then rounding out the top 10 is skell tracks nice this is good good stuff i'm happy to see all this i don't even know where i am in this league i don't think i'm doing very well but but, uh, what are you gonna do uh anyways thanks very much everybody for listening really appreciate it my name's tim Horaney. you've been listening to nailing the apex uh catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Please head on over to Spotify, give us a 5-star rating and a follow. Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating, write a review. Helps us grow the pod uh a lot. Thanks again everybody for listening. We'll talk to you all later.